Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We started a series uh, three weeks ago called Finding Christmas. We've themed our uh, Christmas celebration tonight, Finding Christmas. Christmas, because Christmas and the true meaning of Christmas can get lost in today's society with all the uh, political correctness going on where you can't say Merry Christmas, you can't say, because, you know, that's female, Mary, um, with all the religious tolerance. That, have you not heard that joke before? Oh, sorry. With all the religious tolerance going on, I mean, I've <clears throat> got a couple of friends who work in childcare and kindy. And they're actually not allowed to do some Christmas stuff. The Santa can't come. They can't do Christmas trees. They can't do some of the nativity scenes, the things that we know Christmas is all about just because of religious tolerance. And then there's obviously uh, retail consumerism, just ebbs and ebbs and ebbs and ebbs away at the true meaning of Christmas. And I know that as believers, we understand and we know what Christmas is really about. But it is really good, as Vicky was sharing this morning, for us to just take some time and just remember what the true meaning of Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about when God came to earth in human form to make a way that we could know him and live with him eternally. Christmas is the greatest gift uh, that we have ever received in the birth of Jesus. And um, we, um, I think it was two weeks ago when Tony was sharing, he just said that Christmas and Jesus is the gift that gives on giving. So when you find Jesus, you find hope. When you find Jesus, you find peace. And when you find Jesus, you find joy, which is why we've called this uh, season Finding Christmas. And two weeks ago, Tony shared with you about finding hope. And then last week, he shared about finding peace. And this morning, I have the privilege of sharing with us about finding joy. And I don't know, but who here has been to the shops this last week? Yeah, I was mentioning in the chapel service that I actually started my Christmas shopping on Thursday. And when I said that, some of the little old ladies in the front went, oh, I was like, oh no, it's shocking. But um, for us, Christmas isn't a big deal in terms of gifts, so I'd kind of let it slide, hadn't really got there. But this Thursday, um, I thought I would, okay, you know what, I need to do something about it. It's only a week till Christmas. I actually need to uh, go and do something. And I had this brainwave. I had read in the paper that the shops were open till midnight, and I've never done the midnight shopping thing before, so I thought, well, normally they close on a Thursday at nine, so I know what I'll do. Rather than beating the crowds between seven and nine, I'll go after nine, because everybody would have gone home by then, and nobody wants to shop till midnight, that's why I've never done it before, so I'll go after nine. And um, feeling extremely brave, so I brought Tony with me and Jordan. And the real reason was that our son Mitch was working and he finished at 11. So I figured, well, I'll be there and then I can just pick him up. And um, so we go to the shops and there's the carols are playing, you know, Joy to the World is on in the background. But I have to admit, when I looked around and saw some of the interactions, I heard the song Joy to the World but I didn't really see much joy at the shopping centre. I must admit, it was very hot. So, I mean, we know we've just had a heat wave of 39 degrees and for some strange reason, Westfield, normally you go to Westfield, you have to take a coat because it's freezing. Now, it was hot um, and there were short tempers, 
frayed tempers. I saw a lot of frustration. Um, I saw some despondence. I was just, you know, I heard all sorts of things, and I just, I really didn't see too much joy. And in fact, we um, walked to McDonald's to pick Mitch up, and uh, when he came out, we were walking back to the car, and. I don't know if you've ever experienced it because, I mean, it's a car park. You've got to park your car, but there's always this dynamic between car parking and driving to find a car park and you walking from your car to the shops, right? So sometimes you're sort of muttering to people, it's not a footpath. Would you walk on the footpath because I need to drive my car? I've been in that situation. But on Thursday night, there's, um, I think somebody was just lacking a little bit of joy because as we walked... Uh, to, the car, uh, to the car park, I heard behind us, there must have been someone behind us walking on the road, and I heard this almighty like horn beep, so someone's like, and not just beep, excuse me, move, but like, for ages, and then when he took his hand off the horn, I heard all sorts of words I have never heard before, and they just came thick and fast, and this man was not happy with someone who possibly was walking in their way and he just let rip and my kids were like oh and so Mitchy says what are these words to which I said ask your father <laughs> and that wasn't a displacement on my behalf I was literally like really ask your father because I don't know I have never heard those words before so we can sing about joy we can um talk about joy but at Christmas time there seems to be a distinct lack of joy. But the sad thing for me is we don't have to wait till Christmas to see that there's a lack of joy. We can, you know what, our joy is constantly under attack. And you, it's things to me like sometimes our joy being under attack is a direct result of the lifestyles that many of us live. Many of us are living from um, a commitment to commitment, we don't have much margin. So when something does go wrong or doesn't quite go the way we want it, we don't have that grace, we don't have that extra that we needed to just let it slide. We're living full, we're living lifestyles where even our finances, it's to the max. There's no error, there's no room for error, there's no margin in our lives. Our lifestyles are ebbing away at our joy. I think world events ebb away at our joy. I mean, uh, terror attacks are at a um, high. They're at a premium. We've never seen terror attacks. We've never seen even natural disasters at the speed and the regularity at which we are seeing now. But the other thing, and I think for me the more important thing, is I believe our joy is under attack because it's a scheme of our enemy. Because Nehemiah 8.10 says this, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Because the joy of the Lord is our strength, our enemy knows if he has our joy, he has our strength. And sometimes, like with you and and for me, life happens. And things happen that I just, I didn't expect, I wasn't planning on, I don't like. And it's at those times where I need my strength the most. But it's at those times when if I've allowed joy to disappear in my life, I've allowed my strength to disappear. And so this morning, I want to share for us on keys and ways that we can find our joy. We need joy today to stand and to hold on to the promises of God. Perhaps you're here this morning and life has thrown you a curveball. 
Perhaps your marriage isn't where it should be, where you thought it would be, how it was going to end up. Perhaps your kids aren't where you thought and how you've worked towards. Perhaps your health or your finances or just something has gone amiss and arise, something you didn't plan on. You need your joy in this time because you need strength to hang on to the promise of God, the promise of God that says, he who's begun a good work will see it to completion. You need your strength so that you can stand up against the lie of the enemy that says, you're no good. This is uh, gonna happen to you, that this is, I'm, God is not in control. He's against you. Scripture says that he has plans for you, plans to give you a hope and a future. But you need strength to be able to hold because when your life looks like, I don't like these plans, because there's been plenty of opportunities. I'm like, uh, if these were your plans, Lord, can I have a refund? It's like, you know, we need our strength. And our strength comes from the joy of the Lord. The Bible dictionary describes joy as this. It says, it's a state of mind and an orientation of the heart. It's a settled state of contentment, confidence and hope in the inner attitude of rejoicing in one's salvation, regardless of outward circumstances. Our joy is a state of mind and an orientation of our heart. And this morning, I just want to share a couple of keys that if you're sitting here this morning and think, you know what, my joy has gone missing. I'm singing the song, Joy to the World, but I'm not living the song, Joy to the World. Then I want to share a couple of things about joy so that hopefully it can help you in just, just resetting our hearts, calibrating our heart to go, you know what, the, the true meaning of Christmas, to find the joy of Christmas so that when I've got the joy, I have my strength. So number one, the first thing we need to understand when our joy has gone missing is joy is a command. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Joy is not only an emotion to be desired, it's a command to be followed. I was blown away when I was preparing for this and thinking and studying. and do, I thought, joy is a command. It's a command. It's as much a command as the Ten Commandments. Do not sin. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. They're the Ten Commandments. Joy is a command. It's as much that God's saying, you must be joyful. He says, rejoice always. I love Philippians 4.4 4, and Paul is talking. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I want to remind us here this morning that Paul didn't suffer from the condition of stuttering. It wasn't an accident that he said rejoice, and again I'll say rejoice. It wasn't, Kelly got it. <laughs> well done, Kelly. Welcome to church this morning. <laughs> Paul says it twice, repeats it, because he was trying to make an emphasis here. Our joy is under attack. Our joy is under attack, and the reason it's under attack is because the joy of the Lord is our strength, and if we're not strong, we lose our witness, and if we lose our witness, we lose our opportunity to make an impact this generation and the nations. And so our joy is under attack, but to be joyful is the command. So if you're sitting there this morning and thinking, yes, but you don't understand my situation and my circumstances, you don't get that you might be right. But I have to say to you this morning, as I say to myself, despite the circumstances, despite the situation, I am commanded to be joyful. If, no, if all else fails, you must remember, joy is a command. I um, was thinking about, when I was thinking about that, I thought, who here has had the privilege 
of buying a new home or perhaps a new car. Awesome. And you know that they have a thing called options, optional extras. How many know that wheels on a car are not an optional extra? If you don't have wheels, it's not a car because it's not going to go anywhere. The, the definition of car is to move you from one place to another. So now options are the types of wheels you can have. You can have mags, you can have 18-inch rims, 16-inch. That's about the extent of my knowledge on wheels. So you can have an option of car of wheels, but you can't have the option of no wheels. It's the same with a house. If your house doesn't have a roof, it ceases to be a house. So it doesn't matter if you have a tiled roof or a colour bond roof. It's the fact that you have a roof. And we have to adopt that attitude when we're talking about finding joy. Joy is a command. Joy is not an option for you and I. Well, if things go well and if I'm happy today and I wake up on the right side of the bed, I will be joyful. No, rejoice always. Rejoicing is a command from God. And the reason we need to be joyful is because it makes us more like God. In John 15, 11, it says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So while you are like me sitting there saying, well, I'm just refusing to be joyful because things didn't go my way, we have to understand when we are joyful, it makes us like God. The other thing is when we're joyful, it's good for us. It's actually good for us. God is not the party pooper up there saying, you must be joyful, it's a command. He understands that joy is good for you. In uh, Proverbs 17, 22, it says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Joy is good for us. God commands it because he understands the benefit that it brings to us. And thirdly, joy is good for others. When you're joyful, it rubs off onto others. When you're joyful and have a generous spirit and you are giving to others and you're involved in others' lives, it has an ongoing effect. So joy makes us like God. Joy is good for us and joy is good for others. Joy is a command. The other thing about joy that we need to remember if we're talking about, I'm not feeling so joyful and things have gone awry, we've got to remember joy is a choice. It really is. And I know sometimes that's hard to hear when we're in the midst of circumstances, but we have to remind ourselves, joy is a choice. 1 Thessalonians 5, again, that same scripture, 16 to 18, it says, rejoice always, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. Often we think that joy is a result of our circumstances, but joy is not a result of our circumstances. Joy is a result of a choice we make to be joyful. I love this uh, scripture. It says, happy people don't have the most. They are those that make the most of what they have. And when I was uh, sharing last time, we spoke about the art of being contempt. I spoke about the fact of the when and then thinking. If we don't have an understanding that joy is a choice, we have the thinking of when and then, which means when I get married, then I'll be happy. When I'm single, then I'll be happy. When I have kids, then I'll be happy. When my kids leave home, then I'll be happy. We've got that when and then thinking where we have to stop that and understand, you know what, joy is not dependent on my circumstances. Joy is dependent on a choice I make today to be joyful. We have to choose today to be joyful. Now, I'm not saying, and please hear me, that we're to ignore our circumstances and we're not to live beyond the reality of it. It's not about hyperfaith. 
It's not about declaring that that's not really happening. No, that is happening. Joy is about the decision. That definition said it's a state of mind and an orientation of the heart. Joy is a decision that despite what is happening, I choose to see you. Despite what is going on, I choose to follow you. Despite what is happening here, I choose to keep my joy, my mind set on you and the orientation of my heart towards you. Joy is a choice. I've shared many times a testimony of Mitchie and when he... um, was in utero and they discovered some of the issues that they thought they were having there. It wasn't like we just went, oh, it's not happening. I had evidence to prove what the doctors were saying. We had sonograms, we had x-rays, there were blood tests, there was all these things lining up to say there's an issue here, there's some concerns here. We didn't live in denial of that, but Joy says, in all circumstances, God, I praise you. It doesn't say, I praise you for my circumstances. It just says, in all circumstances, God, I choose. I choose to believe that your word that says, you knit him together in my womb. Oh, he is fearfully and wonderfully made. It's an acknowledgement of what's going on, but a choice that I choose in spite of all this. I choose to glory in the fact that my salvation comes from the free gift of God and my name is written in the book. And at the end of the day, that's what counts. Joy is a choice. And I just think we've got to have that mentality. I call it the Joshua mentality. And you may remember the story when the Israelites were led out of Egypt. They were in the desert for 40 years. All of those who were negative and uh, weren't listening to God died off. And then God says to Joshua, take the people to the promised land. And Joshua stands before the people and he says to them, okay, people, this day, this day, look at the gods of the Amorites and the other gods that they serve, and look at the king, and you choose today whom you will serve. Do you want to serve the gods of the other nations, or do you want to serve the living God? It doesn't matter what you decide, because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's how we have to approach our joy this morning. It doesn't matter about this. It doesn't matter about that. But as far as I'm concerned, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, it doesn't matter about this situation. It doesn't matter what's happening over there. It doesn't, ma- excuse me, it doesn't matter what's going on over here. As for me and my house, I choose joy in this situation. Joy is a choice. If you're finding yourself that your joy is being sucked away, that things are getting on top of you, that you're a bit more cranky pants than you normally are, whatever's happening, and you're looking for joy, you've got to understand, one, joy is a command, but two, joy is a choice. And just like, because every one of you this morning got up, threw back your wardrobe, or if you're 17, maybe just pick something up off the floor, whichever way works for you, all of us stood before our wardrobe, stood before our clothes, and we made a choice to put something on. Can I encourage you, every day, well, hopefully you put something on with that giggle over there, Every day, just like we choose an outfit to wear, we have to choose to put on joy. Joy is a choice. It's not dependent on circumstances and things that happen to me. Joy is dependent on my response and choice within that circumstance. So not only is joy a command, joy is a choice, But just like joy being a choice, joy to me is a position. We need to position ourselves for joy. It doesn't just happen. 
Well, I'll just sit here and if everything goes right, I'll be joy. No, you know what? I need to position myself for joy. Who here goes to the Christmas pageant? Just me? Come on, don't be shy. The Christmas pageant. Now, I was one of those parents when I went to the Christmas pageant because it starts about half past nine. So I would rock up at about 20 past because, <laughs> you know, you don't want to get there too early. You've got to stand in the sun. So I would rock up at the Christmas pageant 20 past nine to find myself 30 people deep going, yeah, this is fun. And then to have two little kids going, yeah, this is fun. And I spent that whole Christmas pageant with one kid on each hip trying to get them to be able to see. I learned something that day. If I wanted to get a good view of the Christmas pageant, I had to position myself. So I couldn't just rock up at 9.20. I think in the back of my head, I had the mentality, I'll get there at 9.20 and I'll do what everyone else does. I'll go, go on, kiddies. Just push your way through to the front. The big parents in front, they'll let you in. I discovered, no, they won't. Because they were like, I got my position. I set myself up. If you were too lazy to do it, too bad. I was like, oh, please, just batter your eyelids, Geordie. (laughs) Just do something. So we learned that the next year, if I wanted a good view, my kids have a good view of the pageant, I had to position myself. So the next year, Geordie and I got up, we left home at half past six in the morning. I know, how dedicated is that? 6.30 in the morning to go to the Christmas pageant. Drove through McDonald's drive-thru, got our breakfast, got a really good park, walked to the start. Here's a secret, go to the start because then you can get out early. Went to where the start is. Laid down our blankets, two blankets, because we dropped the other two kids with someone else and they were going to come in later so that they could have the benefit of the position I was gaining. It's all right, we swapped it around for the next year. Got my blankets, got my chairs, and then I spent three hours, me and Geordie, like, sit like this, don't let anyone near. Now we laugh, oh, I think I just did a hernia, <laughs> did a hammy. We laugh. But it's, that's what we have to do. We have to position ourselves for joy. I positioned ourselves. I was not giving up that. I mean, I am gracious, so a little kid, I'm, I'm a little bit of a softie. I'll come on in. But I look at the parent, i like, back off. <laughs> stay behind. I won't touch a child. They'll be fine, but you, but you stay there. <laughs> Otherwise, you come at 6.30 in the morning. Come on. So my joy goes so far. But <laughs> I position myself. We, when we're talking about joy, we need to do the same thing. You and I just flop along in life and whatever happens, case there are, there are, whatever will be, will be. But you know what? Life happens and life and the enemy is after our joy because if he gets our joy, he gets our strength. He doesn't want you to succeed. In fact, the Bible says that he, his desire is to kill you, to steal from you and to destroy you. And so you know what? If we just take the world, whatever, well then whatever happens and then we wonder why am I in a crumbling heap? It's because whatever happens. We need to position ourselves for joy. Get ourselves in that position. It's like, you know what? I am positioning myself for joy. I want to, it's not going to be hard. I know I've got an enemy who wants to steal it, but you know what? I'm ready. We need to position ourselves for joy. So how do we do that? I think the first key in positioning ourselves for joy is we need to be positive. Remember the definition of joy is a state of mind. Now I get it that to me, it's just as easy to think positive as it is to think negative. I consider it, it's like either turning right or turning left. It's not that difficult, but when you've got a penchant for always being negative, I understand that it can be, but we need to position ourselves. We have to understand, you know what? I need my strength, and if I need my strength, I've got to position myself for joy, and the way I position myself for joy is to be positive, to look for the good, to be thinking that. 
There's a story about, uh, that's told of two farmers. One was a pessimist. The other was an optimist. The optimist would say, wonderful sunshine. The pessimist would respond, yes, but I'm afraid it's going to scorch the crops. The optimist would say, fine rain. The pessimist would respond, yes, but I'm afraid we're going to have a flood. The optimist would say, uh, one day the optimist said to the pessimist, have you seen my new bird dog? He's the finest money can buy. The pessimist said, you mean that mutt I saw penned up behind the house? Didn't look like much to me. The two went hunting with the dog the very next day. They shot some ducks. The ducks landed in the pond. The optimist ordered his dog to get the ducks. The dog obediently responded. And, in, excuse me, and instead of swimming in the water, the dog walked on top of the water. He retrieved the ducks and walked back on top of the water with the ducks. The optimist turned to his friend and said, now what do you think of that? The pessimist replied, Hmm, he can't swim, can he? <laughs> we laugh, but you know, that's how many of us do life. He can't swim. It's like he just walked on water. You know what? It's just as easy to be positive as it is to be negative. If you want to position yourself for joy, then you've got to be positive. It's a state of the mind. The other key when we're talking about positioning ourselves is we've got to be thankful. Remember the definition? It's the orientation of the heart. We have to be thankful. You want to find and keep joy, you need to position yourself for it. And the way you do that is by being positive and by being thankful. To think is to thank. And if you're sitting there this morning and thinking, well, I don't really have too much to be thankful for, I just want to say again, think. You live in Australia. There's, you can think. Here's one. You're alive. Hey, you have a house, a, house, a roof over your head. If you don't have a job, which most of us do, but if you don't, we have a government welfare system who is helping you. Oh, but they don't give me enough. You know what? Let's be thankful you've got something. To think is to thank. And if you don't have a thankfulness in your heart, then I want to encourage you, start thinking. You have three meals, if not more, a day. You have air to breathe. There's a lot for us to be thankful for. And if we want to keep our joy, find our joy, hold on to our joy, hold on to our strength, then we need to position ourselves. And the way we do that is to be thankful. I spoke when I spoke about God, money and not me, and we talked about the art of contentment. It's just about we've got to focus on what we have, not on what we don't have. That's the concerning thing for Christmas. There's a lot of people running around spending lots of money, money they don't even have, trying to buy gifts for people they don't like, trying to do all this stuff. And it's like, just be thankful for what you have. The reason we do a low-key Christmas for us is we're trying to teach our kids the appreciation of what they've already got. I get tired of you give a gift, they wrap it, and they're waiting for the next one. It's like, no, actually, you know what? Why don't you just play with that one that you've got or use that one that you've got? We're so busy in a give me, give me, give me society, and we wonder why, is my, why am I not happy? Because if things made me happy, I should be happy because I've got things. And guess what? You've got things. Things don't make us happy. It's an orientation of the heart. And if we were thankful, we'd be happy because we'd appreciate the things we already have. 
We need to stop complaining and start exclaiming. I am so grateful, God, that there was rain this morning. It meant that I didn't have to water my garden. It meant it brought the temperature down. It meant I could open up all the windows in my house and let the breeze come down and cool it. There's always opportunity for us to be thankful. Stop complaining. Oh, it's raining. What are we going to do about tonight? Well, one, we're going to pray. But two, here's the thought. It brought the temperature down. It settled the dust. It'll stop by lunchtime and we'll have a great time tonight. To think is to thank. Fourthly, joy is contagious. If you are struggling to find and keep your joy, how about you find somebody who is joyful and stick to them like glue? Joy is contagious. I don't know about you, but it's really hard to stay miserable when you're in the presence of happy people, despite your circumstances. It doesn't mean my circumstances have changed, just my perspective has. And so joy is contagious. And so we've just got to hang around people who are happy. Have you ever told your kids off and they, or they've hurt themselves or they're whining about something and you get them and you go, come on, smile. And they're like this. And you're going, come on, smile, smile. And you're grabbing their cheeks and doing, and they're like, and you can see they're like, I'm not going to give you the pleasure. And then they stick their back teeth together and they're holding them and they've got their lips like this. And you're going, smile, come on. And you just, it gradually, it's like, and you can see in their head, they're thinking, don't you dare, don't, don't, don't. Don't, corner, corners, don't you, don't you curl, don't. It's like, and finally, just because you're in there going, come on, smile, come on, come on, come on. And you start laughing, what happens? They start laughing. Joy is contagious. And if we were more joyful, I believe the world would be more joyful because it's contagious. Our daughter Bailey has the most infectious laugh. She has a very wicked sense of humour too for a nine-year-old. But she has the most infectious laugh. So we do things deliberately to make her laugh. It doesn't take much, which I love. But we'll do things. Why? Because it just sets the atmosphere in the home. It just, you know what, let's just make Bailey laugh. Because when Bailey's laughing, we all laugh. Because she's got a hearty a laugh. I'm like... Where did that come from? This laugh comes from the depths of her stomach. It's unbelievable for a nine-year-old. So we just use that to our advantage. Here's a joy. Joy is contagious. And so if I want to set the joy in my home, in my message, just get Bailey laughing. Let's just do something to get BJ laughing. If she laughs, we all laugh. Joy is contagious. And then fifthly, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 it says, but by the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. If you are lacking joy, struggling to find joy, we've got to stop looking externally and start looking internally. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. If it's not working for you, you've got to start asking yourself why. Teliard de Chardin said, Joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God. We have to ask ourselves, how is my relationship with Jesus? If I'm not joyful, if life's got on top of me, again, not denying my circumstances, but if I'm not joyful, state of mind and an orientation of the heart, when I remember that joy is a spirit, I have to ask myself, okay, if joy is a fruit of the spirit, 
What's going on in here that that fruit is not manifesting? The first place I look is inside, not outside. And so if you're here this morning and you, because the first place we start is our relationship with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus personally, then that's the first place you start. Ask someone, actually, what that lady was talking about, how do I do that? The first place we start is a relationship with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've got a relationship with Jesus and yet joy is not evident, it's not a fruit in your life, you've got to ask yourself, what's my relationship looking like? What's going on? And the question I often, because if we ask ourselves, what's my relationship like with God? We all go, good. Here's a better way of rephrasing it. If, how would my marriage look if the time I spend with Jesus and my relationship with Jesus was reflected in my marriage? What would my relationships with my friends look like if the time I spend with Jesus is reflected in the time I spend in my relationships or parenting or whatever? It's a totally different way of looking at it. Because when I ask myself, what's my, how am I like with God? Me and God? Cool. So actually, you know what? Let's, let's go a little bit deeper and say, actually, if the time I spent with Jesus was mirrored in my marriage, what would they look like? If my time with Jesus was mirrored in my parenting, what would that look like? If my time with Jesus was mirrored in my relationship with my parents, what would that look like? And there's no condemnation here. It's just a, ooh, okay, that, okay that's a good thing. I can make adjustment there. We... Um, I don't know if you remember, and many of you will, but do you remember the song, Joy is a Flag? Who's here? Who remembers that song? They sang it in the church. I just mentioned it in the chapel. They started singing it. Joy is a flag flown high from the castle of my heart. From the castle of my heart. In fact, I've got Elise to sing it, because, <laughs> but you guys, sorry. <laughs> but the point is, we've been saved from singing those songs. Yay. <laughs> Actually, you know, we have been saved. But here's the point. I, I grew up in church when I uh, met Jesus and came to church. They used to sing that song. And you're singing it and you've got your little hanky because even the days of hankies. Hey, total side point and I've got time. I had to go to the shops yesterday and buy a petticoat. I said to my daughter, I've got to buy a petticoat. She went, what is that? <laughs> I was telling the shop assistant because about bringing joy. I, when I was paying for it, I said to the lady, I said, I told my kids I was buying a petticoat. They got no idea what it is. She just started to laugh. She goes, you know what, sister? I had a lady in here yesterday, and she was like an older lady. She was like, why don't they sell petticoats anymore? Because oh. like, young people don't care about legs being seen. Anyway, totally off the point. Joy, handkerchiefs got me that, right? So we used to sing it and flag, joy is a flag flown high. And you used to go like this and wave your hanky. And, you know, you do it, and then you're like, why on earth? What does that mean? Do you not think, what the? Like... Joy is a flag flown high from the castle of my heart. So I did some research because I thought, why, was it, why were we singing that? Here's the point. In uh, England, when the Queen is in Balmoral Castle, which is one of, one of her castles, when one of her castles, when she's there, they fly the flag to say the Queen is in residence. Do you know we have the King in residence here? And we don't walk around, well, not anymore, thank you, Jesus, walk around flying hankies. But joy is the evidence that the king is in residence here. And while I do believe in singing, 
Because I sing all the time. In fact, I was at the shops yesterday and I was walking along and because I just sing, so joy to the world, and I'm singing away and somebody walked up behind me and said, oh, beautiful singing, you made my day. And I was telling Elise and she said, did he have hearing aids in? I said, I don't really care if he did. doesn't matter. I believe him. (laughs) I keep interrupting myself. I don't even know why I told you that. But um, joy is the evidence that the king is in residence here. And you don't have to tell me, oh, no, I know Jesus and he's in... I'm like, you know what? Joy will tell us. Joy will be flying over your life despite your circumstances, despite what's going on, because if the king is in residence here, joy is a fruit of the spirit and it will be flown high above the castle of your heart and it will dictate to you how you walk and navigate life. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. If you're lacking joy, you need to get into the presence of God. Psalm 1611 says, You will fill me with joy in your presence. Not in giving me stuff, but just when I still myself, I come into your presence, joy will fill my heart. And like I said, I walk around singing all the time. I walk into the bathrooms here and people go, hi, Kath. And I used to be of the opinion it's because they just knew it was me and they knew my voice. And then I, re- I had the revelation, oh, it's because I sing that bad they know who I'm here. But you know what? I don't care. Because joy is resident here. Our family sings all the time. All the time. We walk, like I said, I was walking through the shops yesterday singing along to the Christmas carols. And I don't just sing. I mean, I go for it. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't walk with Walkman and headphones. Oh, sorry there. That is old. <laughs> what is it? iPhone, iPod, whatever. I don't walk with them and song because I just sing anyway. I, I'd be dangerous if I had those going. So I'm just singing all the time because joy is residence here. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. You don't need the band. And I love the band and I love the music. But you can't rely on that. Joy is a command. Joy is a choice. Joy is where I've positioned myself. Joy is contagious and joy is the fruit of the Spirit. And when I presence myself in the presence of God, joy is resident here. As the rest of the band come and join me this morning, Just a little bit of homework for you. We've talked about finding joy, some things that hopefully you can take and go, you know what, I've been a little bit crabby. I've been a little bit cranky. I've just let my joy slip. Because remember, the reason of the season is is Jesus finding home. When we found Jesus, we found hope, we found peace, we found joy. If you're finding, oh, my joy is not what it should be, I just want to highlight a couple of things. Because we have to be careful of the kill joys. And the kill joys are things like selfishness, That's why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. If your joy is under attack and you're not as joyful as you could be and you've understood those other keys in finding your joy, maybe a little bit of selfishness has crept into your heart. This is just a checklist for us to go, okay, yeah, I can make it. This is not condemnation. This is "Ah, is helpful because if I'm not being as joyful as I can be, I know where to start. Maybe selfishness has crept in. Bitterness is another killjoy. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. Bitterness will kill your joy quicker than anything. Fear is another kill joy. 
And remember, Joyce Meyer always says, fear is false evidence appearing real. If your joy's gone amiss, maybe your fear has got a grip of your heart. Sin and unconfessed sin is a, another killjoy. It's impossible to have joy flying high from the castle in your heart and the Holy Spirit resident here when we're sitting on sin. Sin is just a term that says we've missed God's mark for our life. And if we've missed God's mark and we're holding on to some stuff, then joy can't be evident and flowing out through our life. And unresolved conflict and unmet expectations are other killjoys that we are constantly bombarded with that we need to guard our heart against. I want to leave you with this. Joy is the birthright of every child of God. And if you're not living a life of joy, can I encourage you that you're living beneath your privilege as a Christian? That's not a condemnation, that's an encouragement. If joy is not evident in your life, it's there for you to take You just have to make some adjustments. You are living beneath your privilege as a Christian. And in this Christmas season, where we are declaring joy to the world, the Lord has come. My prayer isn't that we just say it. My prayer isn't that we just sing it. My prayer is that we would be a living declaration of joy to the world. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we need strength to be able to stand in the society that we live in today. And what I've discovered in my interaction with my friends and family, co-workers and just people in general, is that the world's not too fussed about my doctrine. We are, and it's important, but the world yet is not too fussed about our doctrines. They're not even too fussed about our programs. They love them and they'll appreciate them and we believe they'll be best and that doesn't mean that we don't use them. But what the world want to know is, does your faith work for you? And the best way we can display that our faith works for us is to be joy in this world. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 